Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of your word, for every letter that you have blessed us with. You have preserved it down the ages so it is right here before us. It is an immense blessing to have your word, O God. But it's not enough simply to possess your word. Lord, we pray that we may read it and understand what you have said. Lord, we pray that you may be with us this morning, particularly as I speak. Lord, we pray that you may help me to utter truth about your word this morning. And may I be able to encourage the people gathered here to follow your word as it instructs us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think most of us like to have our money in secure locations. We don't like the idea that our money is insecure. And recently this has come uh, crashing down to me as a reality in regards to my superannuation. I'm sick of my superannuation getting a negative uh, return, and so I've this year decided to actually care about my superannuation, whereas I used to not in the past. Uh, I actually care about it and move it to a fund where I think it will be more secure, where I will get a return that I would like to have on my money. And I think we don't just do that with our superannuation, but any of us who have money in this uh, building, which I'm sure all of us do, even children in the church have a little bit of money, we like to make sure that it is secure, that we have a piggy bank or something to put it in where our brother or sister cannot access that cash that we own. We like to have our money secure. This morning I want to look at the security of God's money and how Ezra, as an Israelite, as a priest, as a leader of God's people, make sure that God's money is secure. But who is Ezra? As we look at this chapter in the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 8, who is Ezra? How did we get to this point? Well, Ezra is a descendant from a long list of people reaching right back to the beginning of the Bible with Adam and Eve. So you remember back in Genesis, God created the world. He created Adam and Eve. Eventually from Adam and Eve, you get a descendant called Abraham. Abraham has a grandson called Israel. And from Israel, we then get the 12 tribes of Israel, the Jews that we follow progressively through the Bible. Those Jews eventually end up in the land of Egypt, where they have a struggle with a guy called Pharaoh. And Pharaoh eventually lets them go, uh, after multiple plagues, lets them go to the promised land. Uh, They have a bit of a trip through a desert. They eventually make it into the promised land that God has promised to his people. In the promised land, they don't obey God. And so it is a very sad event to see. Eventually God says, enough is enough. You've sinned too much. And he sends them into exile. They go and are deported to the land of Babylon. They're there for a period of time. And then God in his mercy says, okay, Israelites, you've, your sin is paid for. You can now return to the land of Israel. And so they actually start to come back. They're given permission by the the, um, the ruler of Babylon that you can now return. And that's where the book of Ezra opens up. The Israelites are starting to return and they come in one wave and then a second wave comes in Ezra under the leadership of a guy called Ezra who is who we're looking at this morning. And if you've been here for previous weeks, we've seen that Ezra's been getting ready to leave exile in Babylon and return to the land of Israel. They are very eager to get back and so they have made sure they've got all the preparations. They've camped out at a canal just making sure they've got everyone. Is everyone here that we need to take? And they've got some Levites and then they've had a fast and last week we looked at fasting 
and the reasons that the Israelites fasted there before they take their long journey. It's going to be a four-month journey that will take them back to the land of Israel. I know desert roads with lots of bandits around, uh, lots of reasons that they won't make it back successfully. And so this morning we come to Ezra chapter 8 verse 24 and we see Ezra has a particular concern to secure God's money at this point. And so if you've got a church Bible there, I encourage you to have it open to Ezra chapter 8 which is found on page 468, 468 of the Black Church Bibles, and we'll be looking at verse 24 down to verse 30 and looking at what Ezra does about securing the money, God's money, that they're taking back to the land of Israel. And so the first main point this morning that I have, when you can see my main points, there's four of them on the back of the church bulletin if you want to follow along. The first thing, my first main point this morning is that Ezra takes precautions to secure God's money. Ezra takes precautions to secure God's money. What are those precautions? Well, firstly, Ezra puts reliable people in charge of the money. We read that in verse 24. Then I, that's Ezra, set apart 12 of the leading priests, together with Sherebiah, Hashbiah, and 10 of their brothers. And I weighed out to them the offering of silver and gold and the articles that the king, his advisers, his officials, and all Israel present there had donated for the house of our God. Ezra makes sure he has some people who are going to look after the money. And he makes sure he knows who they are and that they're particular people. They're reliable people and they're particular people from a particular tribe. You notice who he picks out? Then I set apart 12 of the leading priests together with Sherebiah and Hashbiah and 10 of their brothers. And these guys are Levites. We've seen them mentioned earlier uh, when Ezra was trying to round up some Levites to go back with him. And they're also mentioned as Levites in verse 30. Then the priests and Levites received the silver and gold and sacred articles that had been weighed out to be taken to the house of God in Jerusalem. He makes sure it's Levites that are in charge of the money and in charge of some very sacred vessels, uh, gold vessels and bronze vessels that are going back, these articles that are going back. And why is that? Well, it's Levites that were meant to be in charge of God's money. God had said in his law, and Ezra knows God's law, and in fact, articles in the temple were not supposed to be touched by other people. They were only supposed to be touched by Levites. And so Ezra is making sure that the box is ticked, that the right people are in charge of the money that is going back to Jerusalem. So that's the first precaution. Puts reliable people in charge of the money. Second precaution. He measures the amounts and keeps a record. And we see that in verse 26. He says, I weighed out to them 650 talents of silver, silver articles weighing 100 talents, 100 talents of gold, 20 bowls of gold valued at 1,000 darics, and two fine articles of polished bronze as precious as gold. He weighs these things out. He takes time and then he writes down how much he has of everything. He's keeping a record, which helps make things secure. We see that with our banks. They keep records. We want to see the records that they have of how much we put in, and we may even keep our own records as we give money to the bank. If we don't trust uh, the records that they keep, we want to check it off, that their records match our records. Precaution number three, then. He reminds the Levites of the responsibility that they have. He says, after he's waited out to them in verse 28, what does he say? I said to them, you as well as these articles are consecrated to the Lord. He's reminding them that they have a great responsibility here. You are consecrated to the Lord. What does consecrated mean? 
means set apart. Another translation is the word holy, which we use in a theological term, uh, which is used in the Bible. Holy, it means you're different from other people. God is holy because he is different from everything else that exists. He is a holy being. And these Levites are holy. They are set apart. They're not their own. And so they need to remember that they are God's people for a particular task, and so they're doing God's job. This is not their job that they're doing. It's God's work that they're doing. And Ezra takes a precaution with them to, so they understand the significance of their task. He reminds them that this is God's work. You are consecrated people. You are holy people. You're not your own. Make sure you do your job well, is what he's saying. And then, fourth precaution... He commands the Levites to guard the money. He tells them what to do with it. Verse 29, guard them carefully. That's the articles of silver and gold and all the cash that's there. Guard them carefully until you weigh them out in the chambers of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem before the leading priests and the Levites and the family heads of Israel. He wants them to make sure they know what their job is. What's your job? It's to guard these items. And he says, guard them carefully. That's the NIV's translation, basically, of two words for guarding in the Hebrew. There's two different nouns, uh, two different verbs, I should say, uh, that Ezra uses here to say, make sure you look after this cash. And the NIV's just uh, combined it into guard and then put the word carefully, the, the adverb there. He wants them to make sure that they look after this money well. And then precaution number five. He makes sure that the money will be audited. Very interesting that he does that. What does he say in verse 29? Guard them carefully, guard all the cash carefully, until you weigh them out in the chambers of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem before the leading priests and the Levites and the family heads of Israel. He's reminding them that when we get to Jerusalem... There's going to be an audit, and he sets the place for the audit. He says it's going to be in the temple of God. He makes sure it's a solemn place, a sort of a, a neutral ground, so to speak. Just like if you were to exchange money with someone, a large amount of money, you'd want to make sure it's a safe location that you're going to swap the cash over with. And he's saying there's going to be an audit, and we're going to count out, and we're going to compare it to my record here. Back in verse 26, he gave his little record as to how much cash there is, and there's going to be people there making sure that the audit is conducted. Who's going to be there? There's going to be the leading priests, Levites, and the family heads of Israel. They're all going to be there making sure the money that you're getting today is the same amount when you get to Jerusalem. So they're the precautions that Ezra takes to make sure God's money is secure. But why would he go to this hassle? Seems like a big deal. Uh, Why is he spending time weighing out all this cash, keeping records, giving commands, making a big deal about this money? Why would he go to, to this hassle? I mean, after all, the Levites and Israelites have been fasting that they'd have a safe journey. Surely they all know that this is important, this money is secure. Why does Ezra make a big deal of it? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Ezra secures God's money for good reasons. Ezra secures God's money for good reasons. What are those reasons? Reason number one, this is a large amount of money that Ezra and the Israelites have here. An awful lot of cash. So much that some people think it's actually a mistake in these verses. In verse 26, it's actually a mistake. It's too much money that could be given over. How much money is it actually there? 
Well, we see talents there and we go, oh, I don't know what a talent is. I know what a kilo is. I know what a gram is, but I don't know what a talent is and I don't know what a derrick is. Well, thankfully, the NIV translation before you has given you a little footnote for those who do not know what a talent is and even tells you what 650 talents actually weighs. So if you follow down to the margin at the bottom of the page, it has a little number 26 and a little letter A, and it says that is about 25 tonnes or about 22 metric tonnes when it's speaking about 650 talents of silver. Just think about that. 22 metric tonnes of silver. Is that a small amount of money? Would you like to have 22 metric tonnes of silver in your backyard? Would your backyard fit 22 metric tonnes of silver? And then silver articles weighing 100 talents. What is that? Well, the NIV footnote says, verse 26b, that is about, well, 3.4 metric tonnes of silver. Another 3.4 tonnes of silver. And then it says in verse 26, 100 talents of gold. So he's got the same amount of silver and gold uh, in one category there. And so that's another 3.4 metric tonnes. That's of gold this time, not silver, gold. Now, if you wanted 3.4 metric tons of silver, how about 3.4 metric tons of gold? Would you like that to be put to your account? That's a lot of money. And then we see they've also got 20 bowls of gold valued at 1,000 darics. What's 1,000 darics? Well, it's 8.5 kilos. Uh, so these are special uh, items. This isn't just gold bullion. These are special items. And when, of course, you fashion gold into something, it becomes more valuable, particularly if it's got particular significance, particular sacred significance. It belongs in a temple. Just think about some of the treasures that are kept in different castles around the world. And it's not so much the gold that is in them that is valuable. It is the significance, the historical significance, the uh, association that they have with different events in history. Uh, it makes them very, very valuable. And of course he's then got these two fine articles of polished bronze as precious as gold. It's a lot of money that they're taking. And so much that some commentators say it's too much. It's just, it's not possible that the Jews would have this much cash and be taking it back to Jerusalem. But we've got to remember, firstly that the Bible uh, doesn't make mistakes and secondly that who gave all this cash? Well, we actually read that back in verse 25. Verse 25, what does it say? I weighed out to them the offerings of silver and gold and the articles that the king, his advisers, his officials, and all Israel present there had donated for the house of our God. We've got to remember that a king gave money. A very, very, very wealthy king gave money. The kings of Persia, their wealth was incomparable. It was huge amounts of cash that they had. And so if he's giving donations, and not just him his advisers and his officials, then it's not surprising that they have a lot of money to their account. And it's not just the king and his advisers and his officials that are giving money. And it says, and all Israel present there had donated. The Israelites themselves had donated. And who's going to donate more than people who actually have an interest in the God of Israel? So, of course, they're going to have a lot of money. You might think, oh, well, the Israelites are in exile. How much cash can they actually have? They're captives. They're they're poor people in the land of Babylon, aren't they? Well, some of them had done all right. They'd moved there and they had their brains with them and they used their brains. And we actually have records of some Jewish families at that time being bankers 
and doing quite well for themselves, some very wealthy families back in the land of Babylon. And we've got to remember that's part of the reason why lots of Israelites aren't heading back to Israel is because they've got life too good over in Babylon. And so it's not surprising that if people in Babylon, Israelites there, are donating, that they actually have a lot of money going back to the land of Israel. And whenever you have a lot of money, what do you want to do? You want to make sure it's secure. So it's not surprising that Ezra takes all those precautions that I outlined in my first point, that he's taking those because there's just so much cash here. We're not talking about a couple of dollars that you just want to put in your pocket. We're talking about tons and tons of gold and silver. And that's no exaggeration when I use the word ton. It is tons. So first reason, large amount of money. Second reason, Ezra's precautions prevent temptation. Sadly, even God's people sin. Even God's people are tempted to steal money. And there is a temptation when you have a lot of cash, and you may be a faithful Christian on the outside, but really that lure of the money is there, and you want it. And if Israel takes these precautions to make sure it's secure, that there's records kept, that there's an audit one day, then any Levites on the way who may have light fingers they may think again about stealing from that gold because they think, oh, look, there's tons of it. No one's going to miss a little bit. But if Ezra takes these precautions, he makes sure that that temptation to sin is at least reduced, if not removed altogether. The third reason Ezra's precautions are, are so good is that they prevent slander as well. Whenever there's a lot of money and there's a lot of people in charge of that money, or there's certain people in charge of that money, there's also people who don't like those people who are in charge of that money usually around as well. And one of the ways that they can get at those people in charge is to say that they're taking a bit of cream off the top. And Ezra wouldn't have had... uh, There were people who were his fans, but there would have been people who were his enemies as well. And they could use... If he didn't keep records, if he didn't make sure there was an order, if he didn't set aside other people to look after the cash then it's possible for people to say, you know, Ezra, well, he seems all right, but, I mean, that was a lot of cash. How do we know it all got there? How do we know Ezra didn't take some for himself or any of the other Levites that have now been given the responsibility of looking after that cash? They're open to charges of slander as well if Ezra's precautions are not taken to secure God's money. And then fourth reason why Ezra takes these precautions, I think, is because it reflects the fact that this money is not his money, it is God's money. And he makes a point of pointing this out to the Israelites. In verse 28 he said, I said to them, you as well as these articles are consecrated to the Lord. The silver and gold are a free will offering to the Lord, the God of your fathers. This is not your cash. This is God's cash. We've got to make sure it's very secure. You can do what you like with your own money. You can throw it to the wind if you like. But remember that this is God's money. And we need to make sure we look after it, look after it very well. And you often do that when you've got somebody else's money. You make sure you look after it better than you look after your own money in some ways. Although that's not always the case. Some people seem to not care what they do with other people's money, but they're very careful about what they do with their own money. If they're in business money, ah, oh, yes, it's just my boss's cash. But generally speaking, if someone entrusts us with cash, we're going to look after it a lot better than we even may look after our own money. 
How much more so when it is God's money? Ezra wants to make sure that he's looking after it very well. So Ezra had good reasons to take precautions to secure God's money. What about for us today? What is this? Is this just a nice history lesson for us, or can we actually learn something from this text? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. You should take precautions to secure God's money. Christians are still stewards of God's money and have responsibility to look after that money. And we see Christians in the New Testament taking responsibility of God's money and making sure it's secure as well. We read a passage from 2 Corinthians where Paul is in charge, he's coming to get some cash from the Corinthian church to take back to Jerusalem for the poor there. And it's a large sum of money. And he's taking similar precautions that Ezra takes here. That he's making sure that reliable people are transporting it back to Jerusalem so that what he's done in uh, what he's done is done rightly in the eyes of men and of God he knows that people could slander him and say Paul Paul had lots of enemies Paul he just gets money for himself it doesn't end up back in Jerusalem he makes sure that reliable people take it with him and we can do the same thing today every week money is given to the church and we can follow Ezra's example in making sure that money is secure. What sort of precautions can we take? Well, same ones as Ezra took. Precaution number one was put reliable people in charge of God's money. Who looks after the money at Moines Baptist? What happens to it after it's gathered? Where does it go? Well, we have stewards who count that cash and they count it together. There's always one other person there. And then it's given to a treasurer who we've set apart as someone to look after it. And then leaders look after how it's spent. And of course, ultimately, the membership of the church, all those who have committed themselves to this church, have a responsibility to make sure that they know what happens to that money and how it is spent each year. And these people, these stewards, these, this treasurer, the leaders, the members of the church, they should be set apart just like Ezra set apart Levites to look after that cash. It shouldn't be a case of whoever's after church, who wants to count the money this week? Who wants to be treasurer this week? And everyone says, bags not, and some person sticks up their hand after feeling intimidated by everybody else. It's not a case of volunteers. It's a case of these people should be set apart. And it's the same with the members who look after the spending of the money each year. It shouldn't be just a case of anybody and everybody can be a member and anybody and everybody can look after what goes on with this cash that's given to God's work. It should be that they're set apart people, that these people are set apart from everybody else as members of this church, as responsible people. And then we should also emphasise the fact that all of the people, the stewards, the treasurer, the members, the leaders of this church, are set apart in the sense that they are holy people in God's eyes, which means they should all be Christians, because that is how we become holy. We are sinful creatures. We have temptations. We like to sin and we like money, generally speaking. And there's that temptation to steal money if we can get it and know that nobody will know. How do we try and overcome that? Well, we make sure that the people in charge of cash at church are members and they are people who are Christians. How do you get to be holy? How do you get to overcome that temptation to sin? Well, it's by the Holy Spirit living in you. How do you become a Christian and have the Holy Spirit living in you so that you don't steal? Well, you're less likely to steal at least. It's through trusting in Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, there's a sad fact about your life. 
You're an unholy person. You're not consecrated to God. You're not one of his people. And that means that one day you'll be cast out of all that is good for eternity. And that's a sad fact about humanity, that all of us are like that. We are all unholy creatures. We all sin against the living God. But there is a way to be holy. There is a way to be a Christian. There is a way to be one of God's family. How is that? Well, you admit that you are a sinner. You admit that you have sinned against God and you repent of that sin. You are sorry about the sin and you turn away from it and you trust that Jesus Christ died for your sin on the cross. That's how you become a Christian. You acknowledge that you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ died for you. That is then how you become holy because Christ's holiness, his holy life that he lived, is then transferred to you. His righteousness comes over to your account and God counts you as a saint. The Roman Catholic Church seems to teach that there are certain people who are saints. And yes, there are certain people that are saints, but there's a lot more than the Roman Catholic Church acknowledges. In the Bible, everybody who is a Christian is a saint. You see that again and again in the letters of Paul. He writes, to the saints in Ephesus. All of the people in Ephesus who are Christians in that church are saints. We can become saints if we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you, if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, recognize how unholy you are, how much you've sinned against God, and how much you need him to change you through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So our first precaution is to make sure that people are reliable people who are in charge, and one of the ways to do that is make sure that they're Christians, first and foremost. Secondly, we should measure amounts and keep good records. It seems like a waste of time counting the money after church. Let's just give the money to the bank and let them count it. Let's not keep records ourselves. Let's just trust the bank. No, it's a good practice for us to keep records of how much money comes in and when that money goes out. Where did it go out to? Just like Ezra took the time to make sure he was keeping records here. Thirdly, we should remind one another that we're doing the Lord's work. Just like Ezra in verse 28 says to them, you as well as those articles are consecrated to the Lord. We've got to remember that when we look after God's money in this church, when we spend God's money as a membership, we are doing God's work. And we can remind one another of that fact from the pulpit. I can remind you. As you read the Bible yourself, you can remind yourself. And as you speak with others at church, you can be reminded that this is God's work. That was the third precaution. Fourth precaution, command that the money is kept secure. Ezra said, let's make sure this money is secure. He said to them, guard them carefully. Guard this stuff carefully. And we can do the same. It shouldn't be a case of let's just keep it under a floorboard here at church, all our cash. We should be making sure it's in a reliable bank, a bank that will look after it. And this can come down to investments as well. We shouldn't be just saying, oh, let's throw caution to the wind. Let's go for high risk, high returns. Let's make sure we get a lot of return on our cash. Now, we've got to remember that this is God's money and we've got to keep it secure. And so we have to make wise investments when it comes to God's cash. Precaution number five, we should make sure the money is audited. We should assign an auditor and then summary records should be given to all members. You should be auditing it when you come to an AGM and hear the financial report. It shouldn't be a case of let's switch off time and ignore this. It's kind of boring. It should be, no, I'm making sure that the money is being audited right here and right now. I'm making sure how much is coming in and how much is going out. 
But why should we go to all that hassle then? Well, that's my fourth and last main point. You should secure God's money for good reason. Same reasons Ezra did. Number one, there's lots of money involved, often in church budgets. And so when there's lots of money involved, we've got to take good care of it. Number two, we want to remove that temptation from people. Theft by pastors and church treasurers embezzling money is not unknown. You just type in the word pastor and embezzling into Google, which I did this week. I thought I'd come up with a story for you, but there were just so many. And it gets out into the public media. It happens. And so we need to take precautions. We can't just say, oh, yes, Danny's a reliable guy. Let's let him look after it. No, we need to take precautions. Temptation is real. And then it keeps everybody free from slander. Those who are involved with the money like the fact that money is audited usually and that records are kept because it means no one can lay a charge against them and say, well, Joel, you know, he takes the money for himself. I like the fact that people audit the money and look after the cash because it means that everything is open and no one can bring me down over a false charge. If they don't like me in some other area, they can't attack me by bringing slander against me. And reason number four is we've got to remember that this money is God's money. It is for his work. And so it's not like we can just play around with it willy-nilly and say, oh, well, God, um, sorry about this year. No, we've got to make sure we take good care of it. So do you help making sure what Ezra was doing is done at your church? Do you help do the things Ezra does? Or does to you it seem like a waste of time giving people jobs at church, counting money after church and having church treasurers? Does it seem like a waste of time? Does it seem like a waste of time organising the membership so that certain people are responsible for looking after the money at this church? A waste of time interviewing people about whether they're Christians or not and whether they can be a part of the church, whether they're committed to this church? Is it a waste of time having membership roles? Is it a waste of time keeping records? Is it a waste of time reminding one another that this is God's work? We all know it's God's work. We don't need reminding. Is it a waste of time making sure the money is secure? Take it to the bank. Why don't we just keep it in the church office, surely? It's not worth the time through the week making sure it goes to a bank. Is it a waste of time making sure the money is audited? including by you at members' meetings. Let's just ax the AGM and, or at least just cut out the financial report. It's such a waste of time. No. We've got to make sure that these time-consuming tasks are done because we know that it involves large amounts of money. People can steal, people can slander, and it is God's money. And so you making sure of that. Are you a member of this church and do you do some of these tasks? Do you help pull weight in these tasks? And if you're not a member of the church, why is that? Do you have a good reason not to be a member of Des Moines Baptist and help out with these tasks that are so important for God's work? Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the immense privilege it is that you give us money and make us stewards over it for your work. But Lord, we do recognise that we're still in a sinful world and we need to take precautions to look after the money, that you are watching how we manage your money. Lord, we pray that we may be like Ezra and the Israelites and make sure we take proper, healthy precautions. So many people in church history could have been kept from sin and kept free from slander if they'd just taken the precautions that Ezra took here. 
Lord, we pray that Des Moines Baptist members may make sure that these precautions are taken so that your money is spent wisely for the advancement of your kingdom so that people become your servants through Jesus Christ's death for them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.